Hi, this is Sam Chand, and welcome to the Sam Chand Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. So today, I'm going to share with you on a subject simply called Change Has Changed. Change has changed. Now, all of us have heard the same saying again and again over the years, which says something like, The only constant in life is change. Everything else shifts, but change is a constant in life. And I'm here to remind all of us that change itself has changed. Because you see, we'll never be the same again. I want to give you a few things to think about. The environment in which we function has shifted. The environment in which we uh, talk to each other, the way we talk to each other, the way communication is taking place, the way decisions are being made, the way uh, we are uh, dealing with challenges, the way we are solving problems, the way we uh, say what we say but believe sometimes something totally different from that. Our environment has changed around us. And not only has our environment changed, but can I make a bold statement, you have changed. So all this started way back in March of 2020. And if someone has not changed during this period of time, uh, I don't even know how to complete that sentence, except to say you have changed. The way you think has changed, the way you process your decisions has changed, your friends have changed, your foes have changed, your organization has changed, you have changed. And number three, the people you are leading have changed. You are leading people just like yourself. They too are thinking in different ways. They too are making different decisions. They too are struggling with different challenges. They too are wondering, if I do this, shouldn't I do this? Why should I do that? They are doing it. I don't want to do that. They are saying this, but they are also saying this. And so the people that you are leading have changed. And finally, number four, how business is conducted has changed. How we talk to each other has changed. How we process information has changed. How business is done in itself has changed. So that simply means this, that how you conduct your church services has changed. That's your business. How you do services have changed. How you receive an offering has changed. How you do praise and worship has changed. How you make announcements has changed. How you do outreach has changed. How you do discipleship has changed. How you do salvations has changed. How you do baptisms has changed. How you do water baptism has changed. How you lead people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit has changed. The, the business of how we conduct our affairs, especially in a church, have changed. Because see, there are massive shifts. There have been massive shifts. Let me talk to you about four massive shifts. Number one is there's been a polarization of thought, a total polarization. By that I mean, it used to be that on a scale of 1 to 10, we used to congregate somewhere, all your friends and your relatives and your family and your church 
were somewhere between four and six, and we congregated in the middle. We've met up in the middle. But now, people can be off the chart. You could be a 10 or certain subject, and there could be a one or certain subject. The polarization is people are vehemently adversarial to each other. Number two is there's a suspicion of authority. When we went into our first lockdown in March of 2020, they said, stay home, so we stayed home. Wash your hands, so we washed our hands. Don't do this, we didn't do that. Don't go there, so we didn't go there. Stop your uh, business, they stopped their business. Uh, stop meeting in church, we stopped meeting in church. All that was happening. Because nobody really knew and we believed our authority figures. But you know, over all these months, those authority figures started changing their minds. New authority figures started coming to the surface. Old authority figures started creating alliances. And many of their recommendations worked. Many of them did not work. And then this country said that, and that country said that, and this church said this, and that church said this, and this family said this, and that family said that, and this business said this, another business said something else. And so authority itself started getting questioned. So you are saying, what does it have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Because you, as a leader, are an authority. You lead with authority. Remember uh, the centurion that came to Jesus who had a sick servant and uh, Jesus says, I'll come with you. I'll come to your house. He says, no, 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 you don't need to come there. You don't come there. Just speak the word. Jesus kind of flabbergasted by that. He, he steps back from that and says, I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Judea. And then the centurion says to him, sir, you have authority. I have authority, you have authority. I have authority over soldiers, you have authority over this ecosystem. I tell my soldiers where to go, what to do, when to come, and they do that. You speak the word, it will happen. And authority was equated to faith in that text. So people used to believe in your authority, had faith in your authority. But because their faith and the, in authority has been shaken over here, it has transpired, transferred to you as well. And so when you speak, your authority is in question as well. Number three, everyone who's listening to me right now knows of at least one, many of you know of many more, who have died in these last few months attributed to COVID-19 and now the Delta variant. There's a lot of grief. A lot of loss, a lot of deaths, a lot of grief. But the challenge of the grief time is that we have not been able to go through the rites of passage of grief. We have not been able to do the kind of funerals that would be respectable and honoring for the people who have died in this time. People who have impacted, millions of people died during this time. In normal days, their funerals would be 
thousands of people attending. But in many cases, not even family was able to attend because there was such a small number that was allowed. Grief. And as a Christian leader, as a pastor of a church, you already know what I'm about to say. That grief that has no closure, grief that is not dealt with, grief that has not been processed, grief that has not had passage to go through, can go and dwell in your spirit and your soul and comes out in dysfunctional ways. If grief is not handled right, it can cause all kinds of issues in people's lives and you as pastors of churches will have to deal with that. And finally, under these massive shifts is there is no quick return. Everyone's looking for a quick return. When can we get there quick? So first of all, there's no return. But even if there was, there's nothing quick about this. Because you read about a surge here and a surge there. And this is increasing here, that's going down there. And it seems like a roller coaster just when we thought that we had it under control, another variant came up. So there's no quick return. I want to talk to you about three major things now. The people of change, the process of change, and the proclamation of change. And then I will conclude with how leadership has shifted and what Jesus wants us to know. Number one, the process of change. Sorry, people of change, process of change, proclamation of change. Let's talk about people of change. Your former leaders may not be your present leaders. Your former leaders, people who are leading before all this happened, may not be your leaders right now. And the flip side of the same coin is that new leaders are emerging as leaders. So your former leaders are not leading like you think they need to. And there are new leaders that are arising in this process as well. These new leaders are people of solutions. These new leaders are people of resiliency. These new people are people of understanding. These new people are people who have a focus on mission and, and deliverables rather than delivery systems. They know what your mission is and they know that to achieve that mission, to deliver on that mission, they may have to change their vehicle. Because there are two things, vision and vehicle. Vision and vehicle. So it doesn't matter how good your vehicle is. doesn't matter what you're driving. You may be driving a jacked up pickup truck. You may be driving a Humvee. You may be driving a Hummer. Something like that. So you may be driving a Jeep on steroids. But if you want to take, make uh, England your destination, if that's your vision, doesn't matter what you're driving it won't get you there. You'll have to shift your vehicle. So you have a choice right now in your leadership. Are you going to shift your vision? Or are you going to shift your vehicle? Vision, vehicle. Vehicle is how you're going to get there. Vision is your destination. So the, the new people of change, the people of change that are showing up on your radar are people who are willing to keep the vision Make it stronger, but find new vehicles to deliver on the vision.
and that is where decision making and decision makers have shifted as well. Let's talk about the process of change, the process of change. I'm going to give you five things under that, five things in the process of change. Number one is what to start, what to start. Number two, what to stop. Number three, what to suspend. Number four, what to sustain. And number five, what to speed. Let me give you those five again. Let me talk briefly about each one of them. Number one, what to start. Number two, what to stop. Number three, what to suspend. Number four, what to sustain. And number five, what to speed. Let's talk about what to start. So when all this started way back there, and everything was going to lockdown, the Lord reminded me, Sam, society might be going to lockdown, but you're not in lockdown. Your vision is not in lockdown. Your calling is not in lockdown. Your mission is not in lockdown. What percolates in your heart is not in lockdown. Your passion is not in lockdown. So I started a number of things. One of the things I started, and I can, uh, I'll tell you more about that in just a moment, is uh, a Christian leadership journal simply called Avail, Avail, A-V-A-I-L. In a moment, I'm going to give you a website to write down, and you can get the next four issues free of charge. Uh, digital, you can get hard copies as well. Uh, it is glossy, five-color, Christian leadership that you can use in your leadership. And not only can you have this, but the elders, the deacons, the trustees, the volunteers, or executive team, whoever your leaders are, all of them can get this too. Each one of them can go to this website. You ready? I'm going to give it to you two times. Theartofleadership.com. Theartofleadership.com. If you go there, it'll tell you how to uh, get your, how to avail <laughs> your avail. Christian leadership, but that's where I started. And you can get that at theartofleadership.com. What have you always wanted to start? This is a great time to start things. Because you see, even though there are restrictions around all of us, if you think about your vehicle, ask her what to start. And the Opposite of the same thing is number two, what to stop. This is a great time to stop things. Things that are not working, things that are on life support. It is what I call an open secret. An open secret which says, everybody knows what's not working in your church. Everybody knows what's not working in your company. Everybody knows. And yet we send our best resources to things that are dying, already dead, we send our best people there. We send our best money there. And can I tell you the thing that you send there that you can never recover is your attention. Think about your meetings that you have, be it in, on Zoom or in person, really doesn't matter. What do you talk about most of the time? The same things. Again and again, you talk about the same things. The same thing that keep telling you it's not working, it's not working, it's not working, and you are trying to resurrect it. It's a great time to stop something. Number three, what should we suspend? Suspend simply means I know I need to make this decision, but I'm not going to make it right now, but we will make it three months from now. That is simply called deferring a decision. When you defer a decision, you, you open up your mental space, 
you open up your margins in your life, you allow yourself to think on what you need to think right now. Does it mean that you're not going to make the decision? Of course not. You'll make the decision. Does it mean that it's not important? Of course it's important, but it doesn't need to be made right now. And when your team knows that you have on purpose suspended that decision, they don't have to talk about it anymore. They can engage themselves in something more productive than talking about the same thing. Number four is what should we sustain or what should we continue? What should we carry on? I think every organization, church or corporation, needs to have a written list of things that they say, these are things we will continue. Because once you know what you will continue, then you know what to discontinue. So start with a, a positive. What are we going to sustain? What are we going to continue? And then finally, number five is what should we speed? What should we speed? By that I'm talking about things that are doing, that are bringing the greatest returns. What can you create momentum and speed behind? Every organization I'm talking to, be it a corporation or a church, tells me there are two or three things that are bringing them the greatest business, the greatest return, the greatest results. Only two or three things. Do you know your two or three things that are bringing the greatest results? Or are you trying to do 15 things? I think you need to sit down with your team, write out empirically the results in tangible format, and say, when we do this, we get these results. When we do this, we get these results. When we do this, we get a little bit. When we do this, we get a whole lot. Once you know where you're getting the greatest results, you can speed that. That is the process of change. So let me talk to you now about the proclamation of change. Because every one of you is a proclaimer, every one of you is a communicator, every one of you is a speaker, every one of you stands on a platform, every one of you has uh, some way of communicating to people, be it uh, social media, uh, be it email, be it your website, uh, be it your preaching, your teaching, whatever you're doing, you're communicating. So you have to not think about content of uh, proclamation. What is it that I need to actually get across to people? Because our delivery system communication are more limited today than where they were at one time, our content has to be stronger. And then you have to ask yourself, what's my style of communication? You notice right now I'm uh, in my home, I'm sitting down, I am uh, dressed casually, I am speaking to a camera because that has to develop as my style. In another time, I might have been with uh, Pastor Robert Barriger on his massive platform. I would have been in person, maybe dressed a little better than I am right now. And we would have had a wonderful, wonderful, amazing time in the presence of the Lord and in each other, fellowshipping and growing together. But my style has to shift. So right now, I'm trying to be as conversational as possible because the style of proclamation and the levels of proclamation have to shift as well. Because you cannot say the same thing at the same way, at the same time, to the same people. So when you're talking to different people, your levels have to shift. So when you're talking to your leaders of the organization, you talk, your level of communication is different there. When you're talking to the congregation itself, your level of communication is different there. So we have to recognize there are levels of communication. 
and then there are systems of proclamation. So all the systems are available to you, online, media, radio, TV, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you have available to you, utilize them all. Because you see, you might like Facebook, but there are people in your ecosystem, in your church, in your business, who might be more attuned to Twitter or more attuned to Instagram, for example. So just because you like this and are more proficient at this and it is easier for you does not mean that you ignore the others. Because if you can think of all of them being different sections of the same room, so you're communicating in the same room, and if you can think of each one of those media outlets as groups of people sitting in the same room, you'll say to yourself, I cannot ignore all of them. I'm going to speak to all of them. And so you find out ways to do that. So what about leadership in change? In leadership in change, people are looking for three things, three things. Clarity, decision-making, and systems. Clarity, decision-making, systems. Clarity. This is that time in which everyone has been misunderstood. Doesn't matter how clear you are, you will be misunderstood. Doesn't matter how you plan what you're going to say. You can read it. You can write it and read it. You'll still be misunderstood. So the focus is not in not being misunderstood. The focus is on clarity. I'm going to be as clear as possible. Because living in a fuzzy world, everything is fuzzy. And if you can bring focus to the people, that is good leadership. Number two is decision making. Decision making is about the, who's making decision with you, the decision makers. How you making decisions, decision making processes. How quickly you making decisions, that has to do with the speed of decision making. How are you communicating your decisions? That is amazingly important that you cascade that information so you don't just go broadcasting, you go narrow casting, the, and you come down into your organization in different manners. So decision making is defining you more today than ever before. Now, you need to know this about decision making. There's not a single decision you're going to make today that somebody is going to disagree with. If I was to give you $1,000, you're going to say, why didn't he give us $2,000? If I give you a free book, you're going to say, why didn't he give us five free books? Everyone has a sense of what is theirs. I don't want to call it entitlement, but it gets pretty close to that. It's like whatever decision you're going to make, somebody else will have a different decision. So you make the best decision you can. You make the best decision with the best people you can. You make it in as fast, timely manner as you can. You communicate it in the best manner that you can. Decision making. And number three is your systems and structures. So systems is how you do something. Structure is who you do it with. So if I was to draw a, a, an organizational chart, you know, the, the flow chart in which uh, 
someone's at the top and there are lines under that, lines under that. Those boxes on that flow chart, the boxes without names in it. They have responsibilities in it, but not names. It might say ministry, it might say finances, it might say media, it might say worship, it might say marketing. You can have responsibility in the boxes, but no person's names in it. So a flowchart with only the boxes, no names, is known as a system. When you put names in there, it becomes a structure. So at this time, in leadership, people are looking for better systems and better structures. So in leadership right now, three things people are looking for. Clarity, decision-making, systems, and structures. So a few months ago, things were changing so fast. You could watch the news in the morning and the same news would shift in the evening and the next day. Everything was shifting, everything was changing. And I started asking myself, Sam, in these changing days, what is it that is unchanging? What is it that's absolute? And where can you get that from and who said it? So let me start backward. Jesus said it in the Bible about his church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the last portion of that verse. Matthew 16, verse 18, the last portion of that verse. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Let me break it down into four points. I will build, number one. My church, number two. The gates of hell, number three, shall not prevail against it, number four. Let's talk about those briefly. And then I want to conclude my thoughts with you about change has changed. Number one, he says to us, I will build my church. I will build my church. You won't build his church. I won't build his church. He says he will build his church. And, and, and the word build there is a verb, a verb, uh, a doing word. That simply means he is building his church. So he started building his church in Acts chapter 2. He is still building his church. And Peter, who was the first preacher on the day of Pentecost when the church was launched, picks up that theme in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, in which he says, you're being built with uh, amazing, lively, precious stones, which is you and I. So if you can think of a building that God is building and using bricks in there, and go, guess what those bricks are? Those bricks are you, your neighbor, your pastor, your co-laborer, your husband, your wife, your church member, your boss, your employee. God is using those bricks to build his church. Here's my question for you. If he's building his church with lively stones, living stones, you and me, 
And if every stone was to look like you and me, if every stone was to behave like you and me, if every stone was to believe like you and me, if every stone was generous or not generous like you and me, where every stone was involved as you and me, if every stone gave as you and me, if every stone evangelized as you and me, if every stone brought peace and reconciliation in the world like you and me, what would that building look like? Because he says, I am building my church with lively stones. The second thing he proclaims, the words of Jesus, is I will build, he says, my church. So here's what I have to say to you, my dear friends. It's not your church. It is his church. His church has come through many dangerous trials and storms, as Amazing Grace Song says to us. His churches have been burned down. His church has been persecuted. His church has been thrown to lions. Read the Hall of Fame chapter in the book of Hebrews. His church has been torn asunder. His word has been clipped and burnt. Read Jeremiah chapter 38. His word and his church has come under attack from the enemy for centuries, 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 starting in the early chapter of the book of Acts. But we are still here. Why? Because it's not your church, my church, it is his church. Number one, I am building. He's still building. My church, it is his church. And then he says, in the gates of hell. Now, Jesus didn't have to say that because he's talking to Peter. Jesus didn't have to say that. The gates of hell. That means there will be opposition. That means there will be people who will try to put the church out and down. There will be gates of hell. But Jesus concludes that sentence by saying, shall not prevail against it. So in all of the uncertainty, the certainty is the church is triumphant, overcoming, victorious. In all of the changes that are going on around us, we know one thing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. With all the shifts around us, we have to listen to the words of Jesus when it says, Heaven and earth can pass away, but not a word, not a comma, not a full stop, not a semicolon, not a dash, shall pass away. You and me, my dear friends, have reason to celebrate, reason to hope, reason to rejoice, and most of all know this, change has changed, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 